1: Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Your host, Oscar Lopez, here. What a week coming up here in women's gridiron all over the United States as well as in Mexico. And we have matchups opening up in Sweden, Finland, and a bunch of Europe countries that are going to be starting off their season as well as the AFBD in Germany coming up and also in Canada in May. So a lot of women's gridiron. So it is a girls' summer. So uh, it's going to be a very exciting summer between April and August. Uh, on top of the NFL draft, on top of the NFL OTAs, on top of all the traditional NFL news. And there's a bunch of tournaments. They're going to be coming up in the middle of summer. The uh, WAGL in Australia the second uh, national tournament down south in Cancun for Lexva and FX Mexico and all the other organizations in Mexico. So it's going to be very, very exciting times in the summer here. So uh, let's bring in our co-host here, um, Troy Wilson. It's going to be with us here today as well. And then we're going to have Luis Bean chiming in in a couple minutes here. But uh, um, Troy, welcome back. It is a grill summer. We are going to have a boatload of info, lots of games to cover, an amazing weekend here coming up week one in the WFA, 27 games to start the slate, plus you got about another four to six games in the IWFL. Um, just going to knock off, and then, and then you have LFL-US kickoff April 14th as well. So a lot of women's great is going to be happening on top of the NFL draft stuff.
3: Yeah, so it's definitely uh, it's, it's it's really a couple time. you know. Um, so this is a great great time of year, as you said. The WFA, WFL, everybody's starting to kick it up, man. So you know, waiting to to start going through all the previews for these ladies, and uh, you know, we're really gonna get this thing going here.
1: So Troy, we got Atlanta, the Atlanta Phoenix taking on the Tampa Bay Inferno this weekend, and if nobody caught it, you can go to our Facebook page because we're on top of it. Uh, so you can catch the Atlanta Phoenix um, live broadcast of the game. It was a seven to six battle, little controversy towards the end there in the fourth quarter, um, sort of like a referee call there. And uh, it probably shouldn't have been a call, but that was the, that was the call. And it had ended with a one point loss for uh, the Inferno. Um, so that right there already starts off the season. In controversy, but uh, seven to six win for the Phoenix.
3: Yeah, I mean, those, you know, but those are the ones where you know where teams look back on it, and you know, those could be one of those things where it could either make or break the season, and you know, and that really separates a lot of these teams is who's able to come up with the with the close wins, and then of course you're going to have a controversy, but you know, my coaches used to always say, man, you got to keep it out of the referees' hands, but you know, sometimes it's inevitable, man. So. Um, you know, hats off to, uh, to, to Atlanta, to Atlanta Phoenix for, for coming out with the win. And, yeah, that was a tough, gritty win for them. But, you know, seven to six, got to love those close games.
1: And it was a very good live stream. If you haven't catched it, uh, you can go to our Facebook page. Very good live stream there. Uh, we also had a bunch of games uh, from the IWFA in Texas uh, that were live as well. It was a basically a scrimmage, a three-game set scrimmage over in uh, Corpus Christi. Uh, so we want to thank them for uh, supplying us with the feed and giving us the uh, heads up on their uh, games coming up. And their, their season is going to kick off in, in about in May. So they're doing scrimmages right now. So um, just like I said at the top of the hour, Troy, this is a gross summer between April and now all the way down. We are going to be literally all over the globe. We're going to be in North America. We're going to be in Europe. Australia is going to have an event out there. Uh, all over Europe in terms of the German League, the fin- the Finnish League, as well as the Swedish league. So uh, keep keep tabs on us because we're gonna be very, very
3: busy. Yeah, you know, um maybe, you know what, the, the the months where they're really getting this thing started, you know, with the with the I I mean I W F L. Um I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing how these how these teams are starting to adjust. I mean you got a lot of changes a lot of off-season moves, um, you know, a lot of teams are kind of switching around a little bit. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting time this year.
1: Well, I don't know, Troy. you missed out on uh, the interview uh, the last two weeks on the Dallas Elite of the WFA, but I'm, I know you were listening. And last week we had Odessa Jenkins as well. So um, we'll see how it, the IWFL, I mean, we're, we're literally we're scoping it right now, right? We're, we're Our eyes are literally on the IWFL this year. Not so much on the WFA, but the IWFL is pretty much our our scope right now, and we'll see how this all transpires. But uh, there's games coming up this weekend, big matchup, uh, L.A. Carson, Bobcats, and today in the huddle we are going to have the uh, very informative and talented Bobby Hosea Jr., who I'm going to bring him in because uh, we had two rule changes, Troy, uh, that the committee made in the NFL, the helmet-to-helmet rule. And then you had the catch rule, which you're familiar with, with the catch rule, because you didn't know what a catch was, but now it's been clarified to you that previously the catch was a catch, and now it's officially a catch. So do you catch that?
3: Yeah, I caught (laughs) it. But you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing um, when they have that first call. And it's going to be somebody. Another thing they're forgetting about, man, is when they have these things and they're calling in the catch and the ball hits the ground, it becomes a fumble now. So man, it's gonna be it's gonna get real interesting as far as um, you know how these rules are gonna affect these teams and play over the over the next few uh, you know, over the games uh, this season. But I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how it happens. And, and listen, there's still gonna be some hiccups. There's still gonna be some uh, players and coaches who aren't familiar with the rule. They're still gonna have referees. Or inevitably going to make some mistakes on these calls. And I just think it's going to take some time to work out. But I'm definitely going to be interested to see how, um, how it affects everyone.
1: Now, Troy, you, you uh, listened to Bobby before. We've had him on before. And he was saying, you know, you don't lead with the crown. Uh, he's always been a proponent of saying that that's not the way you're supposed to teach it, right? You're not supposed to lead with the helmet. You're supposed to, you know, wrap people over and then you slam them down pretty much. So the only effect that you would have on a concussion mode is on the slam down. Maybe the player hits the, hits his head on the ground surface for the most part, but it isn't spiked from helmet to helmet
3: action. Right. And you know the the best thing to do is always tackling with your shoulder. You know, um, and, and that's for the safety of everyone involved, including the tackler. Um, I think a lot of people forget about that one that the tackler is also. Putting himself in harm's way by doing helmet to helmets. And, you know, again, you know, when they changed the rules initially, it took teams, I would say, maybe two, maybe a good three years before they really started to kind of get feel for how the referees are going to call these things. And I think it'll be a little bit, it'll be the same this time. Um, you know, because it took a while for guys to, you know, stop targeting and stop using the crown of the helmet. Uh, the first season that it happened, I think they, I mean, I, I forgot how many times they called it, but it was a lot. But I think it's a whole lot less now. And they're trying to make the game as safe as possible. It's, it's impossible to try to take all of the, you know, um, all of the risk out of the game. But I think by them tr- at least trying to tweak the rules and change a few things, I think it'll, it'll help everyone that's involved. No, I agree. I think uh, there's
1: some. there needs to be some clarity. The only problem is hesitation. Are we going to have the same issue we had before, like you said, with with the adjustments? Is it going to be worse of an adjustment? Uh, I think last year's, you know, just – I think just crazy hits, literally going for the head, um, that also is, you know, became probably the highlight and the the spotlight for it. But, um, you know, you got both sides of the ball that are going to be putting their opinion on it. One side's going to be, you know, you're just taking away uh, the major hits. So I mean, is this is this is this a situation, Troy, where the NFL is going this route, and all of a sudden you got the XFL coming up in a year and a half here, and you got the AAF AAF coming in, and they're gonna they're basically claiming they're gonna be reckless football, old school reckless football.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, it's hard for me to believe that you know the any new league that would come out that would kind of you know go away from player safety. I mean that. I mean, I get it that the fans want to see, you know, big hits and things like that, but I also believe that the fans don't want to see people carted off the field. I mean, so, you know, I think these new leagues are really going to have to, you know, it, it sounds it sounds cool at, at first, but, I mean, they're really going to have to, to dig into this. And not to mention, they're also going to see how you had NFL players who have, you know, filed lawsuits against the NFL, and if you're a fledgling league, you really can't afford to have something like that happen. And you know that, that also takes away from you know viewership as it is. But I guess you know the, the biggest thing that I have an issue with the way that the NFL is trying to go about the the helmet to helmet contact is is when they're going to start disqualifying players. That's the, really the one that really ticks me because I mean I see them do it in college, and you know it becomes a reviewable play. I mean they can't take away the foul, but they can you know see if the the player was targeted. You want to, you know, start kicking people out of the games. You really, you're barking up the, uh, you're barking up the wrong tree, now. And not to mention, because listen, these games have so much at stake. You know, for all of these teams involved, all of these clubs involved, and then you start doing, you, you really, you're trying to take the referee out of the game. But now, by adding this rule in there, where the player can be disqualified, you're actually making the referee even more prominent. And then what happens is, you know. You have a star player on the defense that you know ends up on a target, ends up targeting a running back or a tight end, as opposed to that same player targeting Tom Brady. So you know these things are really they're really going to have to hash this out. I wish they wouldn't take the the ejection. I wish they wouldn't use the ejection part of it. But I do understand what they're trying to do, and they're trying to dissuade players from using and targeting. But at the same time, you're right. There is an issue where players are going to start being way too cautious as a defender, and it's just it's part of it, I believe, they're, they're trying to take that part of it out of the game and the aggressiveness. But I just think, you you know, by throwing people out of the game, you're going about it the whole wrong way.
1: Yeah, and I think the college rule is okay as long as, like you said, the, the refs don't overreach. Because once you get to an overreach on the ref side, then they're really controlling the, the tempo of the game. And then we really start to figure out whether, you know, somebody's paid off <laughs> then we get the NBA action. Yeah, that's what I about to You know, say. where, where somebody's, you go. somebody's pissed off and walking out and cussing, and <laughs> post game fines. Yeah. Then you get the drama. You get the NBA yeah. going with now.
3: There you go. Because I mean, Vegas is going to be involved. You know, Vegas isn't going anywhere. They're still going to be betting on these games. And if that game, that you know, um, you know, Vegas might end up starting to lose money if you get a rash of these players being kicked out you know, that might take money away from Vegas because you're like, look, I can't keep, you know, betting money and then the best defensive player on the team or, uh, you know, a pivotal player on the team gets thrown out for an egregious call and that changes the shape of the game. That really could start affecting people in so many different ways that I don't think that they're, you know, I don't know if they thought it through. I mean, they're much smarter than me when it comes to this, but I I wish they wouldn't have added that, that caveat to it.
1: I don't know, Troy. Everybody's already drunk at the time when everything launches. So I don't know if they're gonna really <laughs> care, but I, I, I guess they'll care when once the bankroll doesn't run, bank roll in, and they're like, "What happened?" Yeah, sober up real quick, right there. Yeah, that's that's usually what happened. <laughs> Drinks? Uh, I can't afford them. What? What? What happened? <laughs> oh boy. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's actually a glass of ice water instead of vodka that's usually how it's going to work out. <laughs> you're short change, buddy. Um at the counter. Uh yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it, you know, it kind of snowballs to everything else like you're talking about. It sort of uh runs into this huge disaster mode <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um But at least we clarified the catch, Troy. Are you still clear? Are you clear on the catch?
3: Absolutely not. Not, no, nope. Because, I mean, again, <laughs> it's, it, it's still going to come down to these reviews, and and then you're, you're adding another element to it of the fumble. So if a player, you know, has a semblance of control on it, and you know they fall on they fall on the ground, but you know their hand hits the ground and the ball comes out, is that going to be an incomplete pass? Is it going to be a fumble? And it's going to just it's, it, they're mucking it up even more. I wish they would have gone back to what it was in the 80s and never and never tried to mess with the catch. Because we were so used to it then. You know, you catch the ball, you got two feet, and, you know, if you and if you hit the ground, you know, you were down. And if the ball came out and you were touched, I mean, you know, the, the ground came for us to fumble. It was very simple. But all of a sudden they just tried to, you know, get a little too cute with the rules. And now all of a sudden there was so much confusion about whether it was a catch or not. And I just think now they added, you know, going back to that or trying to go back to a semblance of that, there's still going to be a little bit of confusion because you're going to have replay and it's just going to be nuts. I, I Honestly, I cannot wait for the anarchy to start when, when these things really start going bad because I want to see the reaction from everyone, the fans, the players, coaches, everyone, about, you know, when these things start to go bad and if they're going to tweak it again, which they undoubtedly will. NFL cannot help itself. When it comes to changing rules and trying to make the game better, and a lot of times they end up making the game worse.
1: All right, Trey, you sound like a you sound like politicians on a normal basis now.
3: You're trying <laughs> to do well good. <laughs> and good,
1: and then all of a sudden we screw everything up. I, I'm with you. I think it's just real. That's what it really boils down to. It's just like you said. It's it's a simple thing that now we've complicated the definition. You know what I mean? It's like the definition has been complicated. It's just weird. Uh and I don't know. Uh so let's let's see, uh let's find out if we got uh it's uh Bobby, are you on the line? Luis, is that you on the line?
0: Yeah, that is me. Yeah. All right.
1: How you doing Luis? Uh welcome I'm aboard. Good. We are talking we are talking catch rule or not, and we were talking helmet to helmet or not. So uh what's your take?
0: You know, I was listening to – I was able to hear some of the conversation. Um, I definitely agree with so many of the same points that you two were making in the sense that the language is what gets things caught up to be confusing. I definitely think there will be more fumbles, like Troy said. Um, I definitely think that if you want to look back on the, the certain calls from last year and even two years ago, a Dez Bryant call in the playoffs, but, yeah, those calls could have been changed. And then people want to look at it like, hey, that would have affected the outcome of the game. And well, definitely, some of them definitely uh, could have very easily. And so it's easy to get caught up. I hadn't thought about the point of the Vegas um, with the gambling and how the kicking people out of the game could be easily misconstrued or. You know, yeah. Bad things could happen from that. Um, I just hadn't considered that because I still was just focusing on uh, just the safety of the helmet to helmet. And then I, I, I don't mind how college does it. I think everyone hates to get kicked out of a game. I think sometimes they get kicked out when they shouldn't, but you know that's the nature of instant replay and refs and those kind of things. So um, so I while had to we're talk on about
1: this when we're on this topic now, let's bring in an expert. Uh, Let's bring in the uh, always informative Bobby Jose Jr. here of the LA Bobcats and as well as uh, gtscience.com. Bobby, welcome to the Blitz once again. You're alongside uh, Falcons uh, legend quarterback here, two-time champion of the Utah Falcons, Lisa Bean. And then you got talent football guru uh, Troy Wilson here in the house. So how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Good afternoon or evening, whatever the case may be, everybody. I'm doing well. I hope everybody's doing the same.
1: Well, morning, Bobby, we want to bring you in because uh, you know things have sprung up in different aspects in terms of the game, and we think you're one of the voices out there. And we let, let's just be clear here: we got helmet-to-helmet rule change in the NFL. We got the catch rule apparently defined. and we got youth sports being attacked in certain states, especially like in California. So um, we thought you would be the guy to kind of put some uh, sense and clarity into it. So that's the reason I called upon you to come on today and kind of figure things out.
2: Well, I appreciate. It. I'm glad
1: to be a part. Thank you. So, Bobby, no, you to uh, let's, talk the- to you, let's talk. Let's talk. You sports uh, first. Um, this, okay. you know, the stuff that's going on in certain states with the age limit. You've always been a proponent of, you know, technique and everything. I, I just think that. You know, when you go that route in terms of politics, you are literally attacking. It's almost no different than attacking teachers and educators. You're literally saying that, you know, these these coaches are just not ill-equipped to teach the game properly and safely. And I know that there's obviously drawbacks to the game, just like anything else. But the the aspect of it, I mean, how where are we at with that, in other words?
2: Well, you know, in order to make something safe, you have to know what makes it particularly dangerous. And I don't think politicians really know what is dangerous because none of them have called me about it. And I kind of think I'm, I kind of look at the, uh, you know, the playing field as far as people that are out there in the world talking about injury prevention that results from hitting with the helmet. I don't see very many people talking about that. Uh, So for me, politicians are misguided like here in California and I imagine all over the country, girls' soccer has more concussions than youth tackle football, but there's no movement afoot to ban girls' tackle football. Why is there special attention only on the youth tackle football players to stop them from playing from 14 and down, but yet you're not doing anything when those same 14-year-olds turn 15, 16, and 17 and go on to high school, when high school has the most concussion rates of any level of tackle football competition? So what are the politicians really doing? Are they bringing attention to themselves? Are they trying to do something to help the situation? But you don't know the problems. On the other side of it, there are coaches. Uh, they're not really interested in, in getting better uh, at what they do. It's their handiwork that's causing all the harm. I mean, it's not accidents. These injuries are not accidents. It's by the way they're taught. And coaches are not investigating what they're teaching, nor are they required to know what is particularly dangerous about what they teach, what to eliminate and what to replace it with. So there's no standard of care. So you can teach whatever your grandfather taught your dad, and your dad taught you. You're going to teach them. So it's it's really a mess. And I think the politicians are misguided uh, from that. Now I I don't have a problem with five-year-old kids not playing tackle football, but it doesn't matter really how old you are. Because in 2015, the NFL had a 58% increase in concussions. Now, these are grown men. They've been playing football probably all their lives since they were little kids. And they're suffering 58% increase, okay, just two years ago, three years ago now. So is it the game itself or is it the way we're playing the game? And I believe it's the way we play the game that causes the harm. It's not necessarily just playing football. There are inherent injuries in football that will you will never make football safe. You can make it safer when you want to avoid catastrophic brain, neck, and spinal cord injuries that result from initiating contact with the crown of your helmet to tackle, run over an opponent, or block with your head, or place your head in a position to be impacted by the ball carrier or defenders helping on a tackle or blockers assisting the runner. So if you eliminate the things that cause those Body positioning, when you have your head and your hips on the same level, that's what, that is the prime body position to be paralyzed. Your head and your hips, and that's what they're teaching. Everybody's got this tire now, and it's like a dog chasing a car, biting a muffler, and they're all leaning forward, and they're putting their arms around this tire, and their hips are back, and their head is down, and that's the formula for, for catastrophic injury, and it's being promoted. And I don't know what what that is and why that is, but that's the case right now. And I'm very frightened. I would not let my kids play tackle football without me being the coach uh, and everybody doing it the way I would say. <laughs> because that's kind of how it happened when I first started coaching my kids back in 97.
1: And, uh, you know, Bobby, you brought it up in the fact that nobody wants to kind of talk about that aspect of it, the more uh, impactful way of doing it and, and the more safer way of doing it. And you've been a proponent of that for the whole time. It's like, even the NFL, you know, wouldn't take it on. The USA football is not taking it on. Um, so it just it just means, like, no different than the politicians. They're not really paying attention or they're not going to the right people or listening to certain individuals about how to make something a little bit better and safer. So um, let me bring in Troy here to get you some questions on, on that same topic that we're discussing today. So, Troy, go okay. ahead and shoot away, buddy.
3: Hey, Bobby, how's it going, man?
1: Going great yourself. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Just trying to live life, man. You know, you know how it goes.
2: That's right. Hey man, uh, you
3: you know the last time we talked, man. I mean, you had some. You had man. It was so introspective, like the things that you were, um, you know, alluding to, as far as like how to tackle and, and also in in reasons. um, You know, what I'm trying to figure out is why do you think that some of these leagues, some of these football leagues Including the youth leagues That you think they're not really Teaching the right aspects to tackling You know, because, I mean, I agree with you And I, and the reason why I say that is this You know, my son, who he was playing football In middle school And I saw the same thing you're, you're saying You know, they were saying, you know that, that he was saying, you know, uh, bend down and put your face mask in his chest and I, and I I I immediately just you know, and I'm not the type that that to get up and say try to correct the coach. But we're talking about my son here in the possible talk about who, your son. <laughs> right, exactly, right. So, I'm like, you know, so but why do you think that there is this it seems to be a little bit of pushback as far as like the proper teaching and proper coaching of of how to tackle someone.
2: Well, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, It's kind of sinister, to be honest. Uh, I had a practice up until five years ago that I would reach out to every program when a child would get paralyzed or die playing football to offer my services, right, to make the program safer for the kids going forward. And I would never get a phone call from anybody. Nobody would ever respond. They'd never send an email back ever, 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 ever. And finally, one day, it was in India, a young, I think he was he an was 11th grader, died. So I wrote them, like I always did, do every time. I mean, no matter where it is, if I hear about it, I'm going to reach out to them. And so a gentleman called me, first time and only time I've ever gotten a call ever, okay? And the gentleman said, I can't tell you my name, but I want to commend you for what you're doing for the sport. But our lawyers tell us that we can't accept your services because we'll be admitting guilt for the death of the young man. And so it kind of shocked me because I'm now I'm like, okay, so what, what are you telling me? You're going to keep your head in the sand? You're going to keep your mouth shut? And you're going to cross your fingers and hope it doesn't happen again? And so that's kind of what it is. And so move forward several years later, I'm at a – whenever they play – the SC UCLA plays at the Coliseum. I don't go to the Coliseum because parking is horrible. Play the Rose Bowl, I'm going to the Rose Bowl. So I'm at my buddy's house because they played at the Coliseum, and on the way out after the game, uh, one of my old classmates asked me what I'd been up to, and I told him about the tackling and this and that, and I told him what was going on, and he says, you know what? They can't change. And I go, why? He says, because of subsequent remedial measures, subsequent remedial repairs. I go, what does that mean? He goes, well, just to give you an example, if you left this house right now, you slipped on the porch and you hurt your hip, and then you go to the doctor, you got to have surgery, you come back and you find out your friend fixed it, you cannot turn around and sue him because you didn't know that it, he didn't know that it was dangerous. So you can't sue him. Had he known it was dangerous, then he would be liable for your injury because he didn't fix it. So my thing was, I found out that okay, well, either, either they know these injuries, you know, th- these techniques that we use have been injurious since the inception of the game, because that's what I look at. I look at the inception of the game, and I look at things we're still using today, and we're still using what I call the um, Jim Thorpe tackle. I got a photo I found of Jim Thorpe, 1928. He's tackling the very first tackle dummy ever created. And astonishingly, they're tackling the inner tube now in the exact same way that Jim Thorpe did. That's nothing new about it. They call it the Hawk Tackle, which is only new about the name, and then those who get hurt using it. um, But I think it goes back to if they knew that this was dangerous, then they're liable for every single injury that has occurred from use of that technique that they're propagating. So why are they selling this? Why are they pushing this down everybody's throat? Why are they making everybody use this tackling technique? I don't get it. And it's dangerous. Well, don't they see that? Don't they see these little boys that can't get off the ground? Don't they see these college players that can't get off the ground? Don't they see these grown men in the NFL can't get off the ground from using the exact same technique? Or is it by design? And they they don't want to see it. And I think it's bigger than that. Like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just look at this subject because this is what I focus on more than anything. I look at it like, are you wanting people to think this is normal? that it's okay, that they didn't do it right when they did it precisely, correctly. That's why they have a, they're paralyzed now. They put themselves in a position to be paralyzed or to have a, to have a catastrophic brain injury. So they did it perfectly. So what are, what's really going on? So people need to do their investigation because These are their children. That's why I started the broadcast, because I looked around after I had my problem with USA football and the NFL when they decided to keep their head to the side stuff. And I said, don't do that. And when they did, I had to separate myself from them and no longer have a relationship with them. Because of that, I even told Roger Goodell, I told all of them, don't do this because you're going to cause injuries. And so I said, I looked around and said, where is it? They're not these, this influence. Where is it? Where is it? And I saw women's football. So that's why I founded the Bobcats because I wanted to show a brand of tackle football that's true to the physical nature of the game but without concussions, neck, spinal cord injuries, and stingers, and all the rest that come with helmet hits, lacerated kidneys, you know, things, broken ribs, helmets do a lot of damage to the other person as well. So that's that's where it's at for me.
3: So, you know what, um, Where where do you see, you know, this going in five years? Because what I'm starting to see now is a lot of research. I mean, the NFL – is supposedly putting in millions of dollars into researching a different type of helmet. But from what I understand when it comes to concussions and neck injuries, the type of helmet that you have is not really what the issue is. Your brain slamming against the side of your, your skull on the inside. And there's really not a helmet, at least that I can understand that right now that they can, that, that can stop that. But then there have been reports that they do have something like that. But that doesn't – do anything for your spine. So where do you see mm-hmm. this going? As far as like, where do you see this going? I'm sorry, like?
2: going I mean, next go ahead. few. Years. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. I was just well,
2: saying. go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because we can't see each other. I'm probably just step on you. Go ahead. Finish it. I'm sorry.
3: No, I got you. No, I was just saying like, where do you see this going in the next five years? As far as like the research for all of this stuff, you know.
2: Well, it's funny.
3: <laughs>
2: I get I get invited to these uh, panels right, to talk, and it's always with medical people. So the last time I got a call, I don't go to no more. I don't go to anymore. I'm tired of talking. So I go, all you guys do is talk. I mean, you never do nothing. she goes, the lady said, well, I'm sorry, Bobby. There's no money in the cure. There's only money in research. So we're going to research it and research it and research it again, and then we're going to research the research and try to figure out, is this really true? We found out. Let's research that. So that's kind of what's going on. They're not really – so where I see it going – Either they're going to come to the truth, or the sport is going to die. Either they're going to change their behavior, their attitude, and their intentions, or the game is going to die, along with a lot of other people first. A lot of children are going to be damaged for the rest of their life because the NFL, they are the ones that's putting this out there. They play for money. The owners earn money. It's an entertainment They've never been in the injury prevention business. They just started in 2007 or 8 or 9, after 100 plus years of being in business. Safety has never been a business, so they don't know how to look at their product and analyze it in a true, honest fashion. For example, head across the front, bite the ball, wrap them up, shoulder tackle, hop tackle. Each of those are injurious tackling instructions that lead to injury. And if you don't get hurt when you do that, there just wasn't one in the chamber because you're playing Russian roulette. Every single time you put your, when you say lead with your shoulder, you're not leading with your shoulder, you're leading with your head. Every time you say, you know, you put your head across the front, you're, putting your, you're leading with your head. When you say bite the ball, you're leading with your head. You're, you're biting it with your brain. And so there's no helmet. And they got the biggest sticker in the world on the back that tells you that cannot protect the brain because the brain is a free floating organ. So when the head abruptly stops, the brain continues. And like you said, it flies against the inside of your skull and tears and bleeds and swells. And then you got issues for the rest of your life or for quite a, depending on how severe it was. So, I don't know what's it going to take for the public to wake up and, and stop accepting this. Is the Kool-Aid really that good? Is it really so mystifying and football is so magical that we just let all our senses go and don't step up and stand in for the kids? Because they're the ones that are suffering the most. I mean, let, let some of these adults, well, you see it in the NFL. They're adults doing it. But let some of these youth coaches and high school coaches tackle the way they're teaching the kids to tackle. And I bet you a dollar, it would change overnight because they would be laying on the ground and wouldn't be able to get up either. And they would say, Hey, we can't do it like this anymore. So to be honest with you, it's Moses didn't see the promised land. So I don't think all these owners, they will change. I don't think any of these coaches will change. I don't think the current players of today will change. So I don't really have any hope for five years from now. I don't know if the game is going to be around unless they change.
3: So when it comes down to tackling techniques, can you explain the the right way to tackle? it? And also, you know, because I know you got a bunch of YouTube videos. Let also let the listeners know where they can check out these videos, and also how we can get a hold of you too, man. Because I just think that, just like you're saying, man, I think this is just. I mean, as much attention as they're paying to it, I agree with you. I just feel like not enough is being done to actually teach it. So I think we all need some schooling as far as, like, the right way to do it, you know?
2: Yeah, we, we do. It's, it's, and I, I'm, not, I'm not a genius. I don't come around like like I, I'm the guy. But I'm going to tell you something really simple. The creator of the universe, the only thing that he cannot do, or oh, he cannot do is fail. So in 1997, I was scared to death. I didn't want to be the head coach of my son's football team. I just wanted to be a daddy coach. Look out for him. That was it. But the other gentleman had to step down because of his job, the, the previous head coach. And so everybody looked at me because I played in UCLA. I played pro football, blah, 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 you'd be the head coach. But before the first practice, I was so scared of seeing one of those little boys that can't get up because of what I said that I literally played. I said, Lord, teach me to teach them. And I'm telling you, I'm just being honest. The next day, this thought came to me, this way of tackling. So over the years, as I followed my son to the various levels, as he went to high school, I followed him, ended up being a DB coach, ended up you know, now I'm, I'm in junior college, and I'm, I'm the director of player development at San Bernardino Valley College, and I coached the safeties. And so I stayed in the game. But so how you teach tackling is you think about, okay, what's the first thing I want to do? Well, I don't want to not get hurt. That's not my first thought. My thought is to make a tackle. So how do I make a tackle in a way that won't hurt him? Okay. Now I'm thinking about him. I'm going to tackle you, but I'm not going to hurt you when I do it. So what is the objective? To stop the forward progress of the ball carrier. So how I start to teach the kids is the most important part of making a tackle is the beginning, being lower than the ball carrier. So we always train our players to have our eyes below the face mask of the ball carrier because the ball carrier acts Defender reacts. So if I'm closing in on you and, you and we're the same height and you drop your shoulder pads, well, you went first. And I'm going to follow you because I don't know if you're going to cut left, cut right, or try to run through me. So when you drop your shoulder pads and I drop mine in response, that's helmet to helmet dynamic because I was at the same height. I didn't have a plan. See? So first of all, we got to have a plan. other than just get them. That's kind of what the plan they gave us when I was a kid. And probably you too. All of us all of us a little older, get them. That was it. Oh, yeah. But, you know what I mean? You remember, get them? Um, and that,
1: was
2: all <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that was it, man. And the ones that did it played defense. The other guys that were scared, they played offense or block or something, you know. But anyway, uh, right. go get them. But anyway, you want to be lower than them by bending in the knees, keeping your waist at a 45 degree angle. And when, you, when they bit, I'm closing in on you. I know you're either going to. Cut left, cut right, or drop your shoulder pads. Because I'm dictating that. I'm in charge of this play. So I'm not going to be surprised what you do. So when you do decide to dip your shoulders, because Deacon Jones is on the right and and Dick Buckets is on the left, and my little skinny butt is in front of you, so you're going to take me. And so I'm going to step into an imaginary hole, bend deep in my knees with my front foot on the outside of my chin, barely on the outside of my chin, and my back foot maybe about four to five inches beyond my rear end. So I look like I'm coming out of the blocks as a hurdler. That's how I look without my hands being on the ground. My hands are behind my back, reaching as far back as I can. And as soon as I step down, I throw double uppercuts. I rip. So that will activate my hips going up. And my head will go up and away. And I'm going to hit you with my, like I call strike plate. Shoulder tip to shoulder tip just under my chin. I'm going to be looking like your nose because i want to see your snap. I'm never going to see it, but I'm always looking. And that's the point. Because that's the point. So the same thing on an angle tackle. You cut to the right, I dip, and I rip. Now I'm trying to get my hips to your armpit, and I'm trying to get one hand, my front hand, to the far number of the top number, my back, my rear hand, to the far number of the back number, and I'm looking at your ear hole. You're coming directly at me. I'm going to dip and I'm going to rip. I'm trying to get my hips to the top of the numbers on the front of your jersey and get my hands to the top of the numbers on the back of your jersey. So that's a fit. So now my head is not in position. Like if I put my head to the side, I don't have a teammate coming from the, either side of the ball to hit me at the top of my head or side of my head. The ball carrier can injure you when you put your head to the side or put your shoulder down. A blocker can injure you. So that, and, and also you can hurt the runner with your helmet. So that's how you use dip and rip, but it takes a lot of training. And, you know, we, well, Traditionally, we have to change the way we teach kids. We have 10 hours of what in the world is that? Who? When people, adults, do a to lose weight on January the first, right? We got a New Year's resolution to lose weight. Come July, we'll probably be ten pounds heavier than we were in January. Okay, how long (laughs) it taking us to lose weight? It's taking a long time. How long are you gonna take? Right. Well, (laughs) all of us. I know I (laughs) am too. But how long (laughs) are you gonna take the kids to learn how to tackle? Ten hours of rolling around in grass. Uh, up downs, bear crawls. Can't wait till Monday to till get these shoulder pads on. We can find out who's tough. They don't know what tough means. They don't. They, they're scared to death. And then you throw them out there and say, "Go get them." And then the aggressive kids will be aggressive, and the passive kids that are leery and afraid will be leery and afraid. And that's a very serious combination for disaster.
3: Oh, bad Oscar. I'm All sure, right,
1: no problem, um, Luis, Let's bring you into the conversation. Here's a quarterback, uh, Bobby. So probably different aspect yes. of it, but uh, similar in terms of you know getting protected. Yes.
0: Hey, hey, Bobby. Uh, I have to start off with Go Falcons. Sorry.
2: Yeah, hey, it's right. Go uh,
0: Falcons. Go <laughs> Falcons. How, <laughs> you, how you doing? I am I'm good. You I was
2: hoping to see um, you Saturday, but you you, you stepped down now.
0: Uh, well, I live in Montana, so that makes uh, playing a little more mm-hmm. difficult. A
2: little more so, difficult. Uh,
0: but I'm, <laughs> I, I still uh, do some stuff for the team, and I helped with the travel. And so, yeah, I got the hotel for them that they're going to be staying at down there. So, Probably. But they're all really excited. And I was just oh, down yeah. in Utah this past weekend, so I saw them, and, and uh, yeah, they're all excited. So and, I just had to I lead off me. with that, though. Yeah, um, yes. So it'll be a good game, I'm sure. Hey, a couple quick questions. Uh, yeah. So I went ta- going back to the very beginning when you were talking about that in your non-conspiracy theory uh, discussion, talked about helmets improving over the years, and that was evolutionary. You, let's keep improving the helmets, make them safer, all that kind of stuff. That seemed expected, and people didn't have a problem with it. So why do you think people are okay with that, knowing that, hey, we need better helmets? But they're not okay with, hey, we need better tackling for whatever, for the reasons that you were implying. Why do you think that they aren't equal in that sense?
2: Uh, Great question. It's accountability. It's accountability. I hear a lot of, uh, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want any flack from anybody, but I hear these people talking about their children that have, you know, been injured severely playing tackle football, but they never cast a disparaging word to the coach. They never look at them as if they had anything to do with it. Players don't either. NFL players don't either. Uh, I, I call it the sort of, uh, what is it, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. You don't want to say anything because the coach picks you up, he drops you off, he, he fed us after the game, he got us snacks, he loves us. But he's teaching you things that can take your life. And he's not, but it's not really his fault in that it is in a way but it's not because he's not required. Like, for example, there's not a single coach in American football at any level that is required to know what causes a concussion nor how to prevent one. All they have to know is when you got one. They have to learn how to identify a concussion. They don't have to know. So I think it goes back to accountability and passing the buck on and basically not, not, not taking it on themselves. So why, do you, why are people talking about this helmet craft? When everybody knows all the manufacturers, the helmet manufacturers, tell you they can't prevent you from getting hurt, no matter how fancy it is, now they have the things. They actually they encourage you to hit with your head because now they have this helmet where it sinks in the top like it's going to give, like that's going to make a difference. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to help you at all. What's going to help you and keep you safe is the way you tackle. Here's what I do. Uh, I ask people, uh, lay people, because lay folks like, like you and I, we play football. We play the game. We know, us, right? We know. But lay people think just because you play football, you're going to get a concussion or you're going to get paralyzed or you're going to die doing it. No, you're not. So I, I, I ask the lay person, I'll say, well, who taught you how to drive? And they'll start smiling. They'll have a, a great memory of their mom or their brother or their uncle or they stuck the car themselves. And I'll say, okay, did they tell you to move the seat up? So you can touch the pedals. And they go, yeah. They tell you to adjust the mirrors. Yeah. Pull in the seatbelt. Yeah. Start it up. Oh, right. Put it in drive. Yes. Now close your eyes. Let's go. W- wait a minute. What? No, they never said that. Of course they didn't say that because that's insane. But the point is this. There are elements in tackling instruction that are just as dangerous as telling a person driving a car to close their eyes. Let's go but coaches don't know what those are, nor are they required to find out what they are to replace them, you know, eliminate them and replace them. There's no standard of care, none. The most dangerous thing that most youth football players will do in their life unless they join the Marines or the local police department, football is probably going to be the most dangerous thing a lot of people have ever played or ever do. But what is the most dangerous aspect of that? Coaches are not required to know. They're, and so something's wrong with that. So we need a standard of care that is based on science. So all this guessing and all that, we need an authority. So, like, I, like I, I'm just a dad. Okay, I started out as a dad and kept doing what I was doing, and I started doing tackle camps, and a gentleman came to my camp with his kid. I coached him. Years later, maybe about maybe seven or eight years later, he was in LA84 Foundation, which is the largest under- in Los Angeles or actually probably in Southern California of youth sports. And the guy had in his paperwork, he had a, a line item for my services. He was going to use some of the funds he was going to get from LA 84 to pay me to teach his coaches and players how to tackle. And so the gentleman was like, you, should, you can get equipment with this money. He goes, we already have equipment. He's going to teach us how to use it. And he goes, you're the first person to turn down money. He goes, oh, no, I'm not turning down the money. I'm just going to use it for him to teach us how to tackle. He goes, this is impressive. So I mean, For a long story short, I go in, I have a book. I, I show them, uh, I do a presentation, and they hired me to train 200 grantee coaches in 2010, 2011. They called me back and said, hey, we want to do it again. The coaches really enjoyed it. Except this time we're going to do a scientific research study of your technique to prove that it does what you say it does. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. What, what do I say it does? You say it eliminates concussions. I go, oh, yeah, it does that, but what else are you going to do? She goes, well, the scientists will, will, will show that. So I, the, the scientists wanted me to come down to the to the laboratory and wanted me to do technique. But they decided to come to my camp and let one of the kids do it. And, they, and I didn't get a chance to talk to any of the parents that particular uh, Saturday uh, before they left. So I didn't have any volunteers. And then I'm, I'm, I see them setting up, and I go, oh, my God, they're here. And then one little guy came up. He wasn't really was 15, but he only had been to my clinic, my camp, one time. And so I asked his dad. I said, "Can you do this for me?" He goes, "Yes." So he put that helmet on, and it was just like you and I, all of us, when he got fitted for our own helmet. It fit him like a glove, like it was meant for him. And this kid, he did the traditional tackling technique, and I was like, "No, don't do that no more." And then the son was like, "They wanted him to do it again and come out, I said, well, "I don't want him to do it no more because he was hitting with his head." And then he did a different rip. My technique, and and it came out that my technique, the Hosea method, which it's known as now, eliminates 100% of the crown from the form tackle and 100% of helmet exposure on the angle tackle. And all the hits were to the crown when we did the the traditional tackling technique. So that made my tackling technique the one and only first ever and continuing to be the only evidence-based tackling technique, injury-preventive tackling technique in the world. And I didn't think that way. No, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to protect my kids. And I just coached them up. And then I got a call from Carl Peterson one day out of the blue. I hadn't seen Carl Peterson since 1976 when he was a wide receiver coach at UCLA under Dick Vermeil, and I was a J.C. Redshirt transfer. Uh, and so he called me and told me that he was the CEO of USA Football, and he wanted me to look at his, the tackling that they were teaching because he was very concerned about it. And so I said, well, send me what you have, Carl. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my God, no wonder everybody's getting hurt. So I tore it up and threw it in the trash. And then again, as I do, I prayed on it. I said, Lord, I'm going to have millions of men listen to my words, and millions of kids going to be listening to theirs, guide me. So I have a 12-step tackle progression. And I asked, I just said, okay, let me give them my six of my steps. So I gave them six of my steps. They chose five. And ironically, the most important step of all they left out, <laughs> so Funny, but it's not funny because as a result, a lot of children have been injured. Here we are all these years later, nearly 10 years later, and they don't even call it heads a tackle anymore. And they're banning football in various states across the nation. So evidently something went wrong. Okay. Now they're trying to come back and fix it, but if they don't come back to the truth of it, then it's not going to get fixed. It's going to be more of the same.
0: So how do you feel like it's affecting girls? Because in my opinion, um, in Utah, at least, and also with the teams that are in Utah, there's plenty of girls and women that want to play football. And I know there's plenty of people nationwide that are girls and women that want to play football. Now, I know that in the girls' league in Utah, it's growing exponentially every year. And I know there's parents that still have concerns. But I get the feel that girls have not been able to play football for so long that they kind of don't care as much about it, as far as that concerned, because they're just happy to play football. So on your right. side of it, um, and Utah doesn't have any laws um, as far as in the works that I'm aware of trying to uh, control how old a kid can be. Now, where I live in Montana, they don't have tackle football until fifth grade. And I didn't allow okay. my boys to let, to play tackle until they were 12. And right. so that was just our family thing. So how do you feel like it's affecting women and girls in their perception of this?
2: Well, you know, the human body is the human body. Is it physics and, and gravity? It's all the same. Because what I tell my it's so funny because I tell my girls, I'm going to have a man and have a woman, you're a a man and have a woman, and we're the same. So I don't want to hear that stuff. You're a man, and I'm a man, and you're a woman. And we're all the same. So I, I, we're, all, we're totally different. But, uh, but we are the same when it comes to tackling. And matter of fact, I don't think girls care.
0: So, I don't think no, they are worried just, as much. That's my opinion. No, no, no. That. They're not
2: worried at all about it. Yeah. But they have to tackle properly, like everybody yeah. else, because so they're, they're just susceptible yeah. to injuries as, as, as men are, because it's the same mechanisms, right? It's the right. same terminology, the same drill, the same. So are you going to have the same results? You. you now, you guys are tough, right? You guys hit them big. Some teams are not that physical. They just kind of grab you and kind of wrestle you to the ground. They're not playing the brand of football that champions play. You guys play serious football, and you guys are the gold standard that we're trying to you know be a part of. And so we're bringing a physical brand of football to the game that can eliminate. And people go, those are girls? Yeah. Look how they tackle they tackle better than boys. They tackle fundamentally sound. They're intelligent about what they do. Cuz you know what, women, they don't have that macho fake. I have to pretend I'm tough cuz I'm not really tough, so I got to be somebody that I'm really not. Women, I don't find that with with my women's team. They I love coaching them. It's fun. I mean, I really enjoy them cuz they they want to know It's like, you guys kind of drive me crazy sometimes because you ask too many questions. Like, how come? How come? How come? (laughs) But to be honest with you, they're more focused on doing things correctly than boys are because we just have this, we're like Tarzan or we're Superman and we can do things that are basically impossible. We think that way, but women, for some reason, don't, and they're more susceptible to learning than I, than I, I find a lot of resistance. And part of that is because guys have played, right? They've been taught by their dad a certain way or they've been taught by their, their favorite coach a certain way. And then they have a conflict when they come to you and you're saying, do it like this. And then you have uh, an issue. Uh, well, I don't have that issue with, with, with my women's team. They, they don't know what to do. They just listen to Coach Bobby and, okay. So, uh, but, but we are, they are just as susceptible as, as boys and men, except, the attitude is much different. You guys aren't trying to knock people out and hurt people. It's just not in your DNA. You know what I mean? It's something that's taught to you to have that kind of attitude where we're taught like that from day one, you know, quiet as a step. You know, they want us to knock people out. They won't say that publicly, but they're telling us that in the locker room. You know what I mean? On the sideline or real close to our ear, letting us know, which is that's got to change. That's part of the attitude. That's part of the intention. And that's part of the behavior that we have to change in order to save football. And I really believe women are going to change the game. Because they're going to show, they're going to put men to shame. Why are you guys all laying around, can't get up off the ground because you're hitting each other like idiots, when the women over here are playing a great brand of football that I want my kids to watch. I don't want them to watch you guys, because you guys are doing stuff they're they're going to emulate you. And guess what they're going to be? They're going to be on the ground, just like you. So I don't want them to emulate you. They're setting a bad example.
0: Well, I'll tell you that your whenever I've played against your team, they've always been sound hitters. So if I'm going to get hit by one of them, then I know it's going to be a solid hit, and it's That's going right. to be how I'll feel the hit differently than um, some some teams. It'll be like a side hit or a glancing hit, or or something that doesn't have the right power or the right oomph behind it. And I always right. knew if I got hit by you guys that it was it was going to be solid. And, uh, and it, was, it was just going to be a good hit. So, um, so yeah, that was good. Really, really quick last question. How do you feel like it translates? I know a lot of people are kind of working towards uh, the rugby way of tackling. And uh, what's your quick thoughts on that? And well, then I'm, well, I'm good.
2: Well, if you ask a coach, first of all, what, what position are you putting the body in? You're putting it hips and head on the same level, you're exposing the crown. Uh, I saw this guy from New Zealand on the USA football selling the, uh, the tube or the tackle tube. And he's got his hips and head on the same level, but he has his eyes up and he's saying, well, this is in neutral position and it's not when you lean forward and your hips and head are on the same, well, you can have your eyes up all you want, but when you get a hit and no, rugby has rules that American tackle football does not have. And no, I, I would be very surprised if, Five coaches out of 300 knew what a gate was if they had not been around rugby. A gate is where the extra defender coming in to assist on the tackle has to enter to make the tackle. They can't just lay out and hit the the ball carry in the back or cross it, dive at the back of the leg. We can do anything we want in tackle football. We don't have those kind of rules. So, consequently, when you put your head to the side in American tackle football, you've got a defensive tackle coming from the other side of the ball full speed, and what is he taught? Put his head across. So when he puts his head across, all of a sudden your head peeks out from the other side, and guess what's going to happen? So if you teach that, that element is a part of it. If you don't teach that technique, that element will never be a part of it. So as you start going down the list of ways to tackle and ways to hit, and, and then you start eliminating things and say, wait a minute, no, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. One of the things I think is missing – from football. Everybody's so, you know, result-oriented. We got to score. We got to get the yardage. We got to get the plays. We got to run passing. We gotta, but they're not working on the tackling. And that's the most important part. That's the first name of the game. And without that, you're going to have a lot of injuries and you're not going to win very uh, very many games. Or you're going to have ridiculous scores. You know, like bowl season, like last bowl season, there was some ridiculous football going on because the guys took a vacation. you know, once the season was over. That was it. It was, and so when they showed up for the ball game, it was just ridiculous scores because the guys weren't tackling and they weren't tackling during the that, that break and you can see it. So it's a matter of teaching. The number one thing we need is this national standard of care for teaching tackling. And what that means is here's what now I, I know why the gentleman told me that if they hired me, they would be guilty of, the, the death of a child because of what they thought. Well, if I certify you as a, a tackling, whether you're a player or whether you're a coach or administrator or a parent, you're going, my, my, my certificate says you will be able to readily identify, eliminate and replace the physical mechanisms, tackling terminology, tackling drills and tackling techniques that lead directly to crown first impact while performing a form tackle or helmet exposure contact while performing an angle tackle. Those are the two scenarios where the most catastrophic injuries happen because they're overcoached or not coached at all. And so you have all these different things where people are telling you to do different things, put your head to the side. I've never seen – I've never – if you look at all the injuries, it's time to make an adjustment and not do that anymore. But if you look at all the injuries – I have a video I put up uh, just from last season – where Shazier uh, was injured, all these different guys were injured, and they all were doing the exact same technique. So it's the technique that's being taught by the coaches, or they're allowing it, which is the same thing. So if you change the technique, you will change the results and the consequences. You won't have these injuries. You're going to get hurt playing football because of its inherent nature, but certain types of injuries will don't have to be a part of the game. They are part of the game because of the way the game is taught. And that's where you – that's back to your question where you said about uh, – you notice people are, are really happy and, and anxious to jump on a new helmet, but they're not really wanting to learn how to teach it safer. They're, they're willing to jump on a gimmick, a thing like this tube, this tire, which is, makes me insane – when I see it, I just want to choke the people, the guys that are teaching it, because it's ridiculous. You're killing children. you just stop it, but no one's listening. I mean, it's, I mean, for me, sometimes I have to not even watch football because I know what's being taught and I know what's going on. And, 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 and moms don't know. Dads don't know. Kids don't know. And the coaches aren't trying to know. They're not interested in finding out on their own. They're not doing any due diligence at all because that's the business I'm in. And it's not disparaging them it's not being negative about them. It's just being facts. It's time to be so reminded about this. Football is not so. It's not so. We're all. oh, I'm so excited about football. No, there's a reality going on here. We got paralyzed kids. We have brain injured kids. We have people that are suffering for the rest of their life. Their parent, their family is totally changed now because of this injury from a sport it has changed the dynamic of their family. A the kid is paralyzed. The mom has to quit, or the dad has to quit working. One becomes a breadwinner, and the other one has to be with the child 24 seven. Uh, I know an organization called Gridiron Heroes. that 58 or maybe even more paralyzed football players. Gridiron Heroes it was founded by a young man by the name of Chris Canales who was paralyzed himself in 2005. And after a year of rehab, of falling into deep depression, his father didn't know what to say. So he just kind of asked him, do you want to go to the game tonight, the playoff? He said, yes. He goes to the game, a young man gets paralyzed during that game. He was looking right at it. And so he asked his father to take him down to the field because the young man was going to need him. And he told his mom and dad to come as well because that, that young man's parents were going to need them because they knew what to do. So these are not accidents. None of these are accidents. So why are they teaching you to put your head down like rugby? What does rugby know about our sport? I don't know. This this is two different sports. Let them play rugby and let's play tackle football. We don't need what they do because it's dangerous. It's getting people hurt. Rugby is too dangerous for people, for rugby, the way they tackle. They're killing each other. So I don't believe in the rugby tackle. I don't believe in the hard tackle. I don't believe in none of that. Only one thing, get them with. That's it. Nothing else. Sign for safety. That's it.
1: You still there? All right, Bobby. Um, Let's talk uh, 2018 uh, L.A. Bobcats here. Uh, you guys have faced the Falcons before. It's coming up weekend. You're taking on a new quarterback as uh, Luis is here and retired. And then you're going to uh, – you know, Coach is always a very good challenge for you guys. So what do you expect this weekend?
2: Oh, nothing but the best. That's the best organization. Uh, they, they are the cream of the crop, and I'm trying to get my girls to emulate everything they do. Uh, we just got a different breed of – of, of, of I, don't, I wouldn't say we have a different breed of women. I just think L.A. is different – Place, I think we have so many different things to do, so many interests. People are spread out all over the place. Uh, it's a little smaller community in Utah. It's not a whole, whole, whole lot of other distractions. And football and a health healthy way of life is really promoted in that in that in environment. Here it's kind of tough, and so finding, I'm just trying to find as men dedicated, women. The women that are make up our team are very dedicated. Uh, they work hard. They show up the practice. They give their best. And so we're looking for an exciting game. Like, you know, it's the first game coming out of the block. We always kind of see them at the end of the year when we're kind of beat up. And we only have, like, like last year we went there with 16. Uh, I went. I, I, I wanted us to go. We're not going to turn this game down because Rick needed us. He needed us to come. He's got fans. He's got everybody signed up. He's got – I don't care. So we ended up – the game was over at halftime because we only had 16 young ladies. And we were wore out But. I love playing the Falcons. I don't care if I have 16 goals. I'll play them anywhere, anytime, because that's the only way we're going to get better is playing against the best. And so I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to this season. Um, we know we've had a lot of changes. I think we lost a couple teams. Uh, did we not? Or a couple teams on in your on your division or on that side of the, of the, of the, of the uh, equation folded. And so you guys only have, like, what, five, six games, four games, something like that? And so that's uh, the six. Yeah, six. Yeah, so we we, we tried to swing a game to come out there, but we just, it's, you know, there's no there's no funding in women's tackle football. This is pay-to-play league. And so these women are doing the best they can. So a lot of people can't get off work, all these different types of things. We would love to go gone back out there and play them again. Uh, I like to play them six games a year, seven games. I don't care. I love playing against the best. I love playing against the Falcons. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We've been working hard. I, I have stepped down, actually. Uh, I'm late getting back to the team. Uh, my father passed away, so I was I've been looking out for my mom. And so the gentleman that took over the team had some family issues; he had to step down. So I, I, I went back. So I'm back in the fold. I was out for a minute, but I'm back. And so we're we're picking ourselves up where we left off. And we're looking forward to this Saturday. And uh, it'll be the first for a lot of. We got a lot of rookies haven't played a lot. Of, never played football. A rookie, of course. So they've never played, so we got a lot of wide eyes, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. so it's going to be fun to watch them. It's going to be fun to watch them learn.
1: So Bobby, uh, give everybody the uh, the website. I think it was gtscience.com, dot com, and then you also have your clinics. So give a, give everybody uh, the information of where they can get a hold of you if they want yeah, more yeah. information or insights on proper tackling and all the things that we just talked about that are very important. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes, you can email me at CoachBobby at GTScience, George Thomas Science. And my website is uh, gtscience.com. That's gridiron technologies and science because I use technology and the science. I found out what science means. You know, I, I went to college and all that, but I, <laughs> I wasn't the greatest student in the world, but I never knew I'd know this kind of stuff. But science is a systematic series of steps that are followed in order to reliably predict a specific type of outcome. The outcome that I want is not to initiate contact with the crown of my head when I make a form tackle, nor expose my helmet to contact when I make an angle tackle. So there are 12 12 steps, 12 critical moments of making a tackle from the beginning to the end. So on my website, you can go to my website. You can see that I have videos on there, um, information, uh, but I have my tackle camps here. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in San Bernardino now, uh, San Bernardino Valley College. So I'm starting my second 12 um, week session. I have my winter session for 12 weeks that started back in February. Now I'm starting my spring session that will actually go all the way through July of uh, 12 weekends, uh, two hour sessions. So it's 30, 24 hours of the only full speed game simulated tackle training system in the world where you'll actually do every tackle you're going to see in a game. Except you're not hitting a person, even though you're reacting to a person. At the end of the tackle, you're hitting a pop up dummy uh, or you're tackling a sled and you're hitting at full speed. But we don't get to that point until you hit air from your knees. Because believe it or not, players will hit air incorrectly, (laughs) except they won't get an injury. They'll just get another opportunity to get better, they get another rep. So that's what I do. We start that this Sunday. We'll go all the way through July. Uh, And I have clinics. But the the coaches clinics, this is where I'm kind of, I'm really angry, not angry at them. I'm just disappointed in in football coaches. When uh, the word came out about the potential ban of of youth tackle football in California, I got a phone call from, I won't tell you where the group is from because I don't want to disparage anybody, but about 1,800 coaches. And I talked to them all of them all pretty much at the same time on, on, on a live chat. And so I said, what are going to do? I said, well, we got to show the state legislatures that we're trying to fix the problem from within, from the coaches. We can't wait on doctors. We can't wait on politicians. We're the ones that are making this problem. Let's fix it. So I'm going to have a clinic. You guys come and I'll videotape you. You know how many coaches showed up? Not one. So, and my son was really upset. Like, daddy, you, you should, you should just go home. I said, nope, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to wait till the time, half hour after everybody's supposed to be here. Then we'll start breaking everything down. But I had everything set up for 200 grown men to learn how to teach kids how to tackle. Because I believe the best teacher is a great student first. So coaches are going to do all the drills that they're going to teach the kids so they can figure out for themselves that, wait a minute, my dad taught me this. This is getting killed. This is getting kids killed. This is why Tommy got hurt last year. I taught him how to do my dad's technique. Okay, we're not doing that no more. So that's what the clinics are all about. But if there's no mechanism to cause coaches, to force coaches to go learn a better way to teach tackling, they're not going on their own. Now, they go to the clinic to learn the, the latest passing uh, schemes, and none of their kids can throw the ball at 20 yards. So I don't know why they, they, they run and learn all this stuff from Division I coaches and NFL coaches. They can't teach their 12 year old kid or 9 year old kid to do it. But they won't come to tackle camp, or they won't come to the coaches' clinics. And so, wow! I don't know what's really going to happen to the sport, but that's what I do, guys. That's how go on.
1: <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, so, Bobby, uh, you give us our links. You can send it to me, direct message. That way we can kind of promote those as well and maybe get the word out, especially with everything that's going on right now with the, uh, you know, politici- uh, politicians, you know, actions and the youth, uh, saving youth uh, sports. So, that would be very valuable information for parents and for everybody else to know that, obviously there's someone out there that wants to correct the issue and make you, maybe certify all these coaches to teach a different technique. So that, that would be awesome.
2: I, I thought we had it with uh, USA football. I just knew that was going to happen when I did the heads up and, and shared that with them. Uh, but when they altered it, uh, because the five-year-olds and seven-year-olds weren't able to do my technique, and I said, well, they need to grow up. They need to get stronger. They need to get away from football until they can do it. Don't compromise. Well, it turns out that the five-year-olds to the 12-year-olds are the largest demographic to buy tackle football equipment. And they didn't want to discourage them from playing tackle. So they said, put the head to the side, which is what they've been doing forever. And that is why we have problems. Putting the head to the side is not safe. It's only conjecture because you think you're putting it to the side. Well, you have 22 people on the field. Or is it 22? Yeah, you have 22 people on the field because I did play in Canada. You have 22 people on the field, and they're coming from every different angle. So to put your head in a position where it's, you're like putting a you know, golf ball on a tee and you wait for that five-iron to clock it, and that's kind of what's going on. Uh, so I don't know what it's going to take. I, I, I am going to put up my own online course that I'm in the process of doing. I've been doing it for like three years now. But uh, I'm almost done, and and then parents can be able to, and kids and and coaches in their own home, in their own leisure time, to learn something different other than what's being mandated by the governing bodies that say you can't teach anything else other than this, or you can't go to these clinics. And I'm like, why is that? What's going on? That's the conspiracy part to me, that I don't want to go there, but it just seems odd.
1: Yeah. Well, it's going to be nice to have a different perspective or a different – it's no different than in sales, you know, when you have different techniques for sales, when you do commission sales and other stuff. That's the same concept. You know, there's one one way here and another way here. So it's it's nice to hear that you have a different method. And once it rolls out, maybe a lot of people will take advantage of it and go from there. Um, So I really wanted to bring you in, kind of give us a reality check of all these changes that the uh, NFL was making, especially the helmet to helmet and obviously tackling is the biggest issue and then the youth sports uh, you know situation that's been going on. So uh I didn't think of anybody else but yourself first thing I'm trying to get oh, you well, out here to get it. clarity. So uh but Bobby, I wish you well against Utah. It's going to be a battle. Um it's going to yeah. be home opener, I believe, so it's going to yeah. be pretty tough home but other, other than that, you know what to expect. So, Rasmussen, I'm pretty sure, is coming with, uh, as I say, uh, all the military squads, the brigades coming.
2: Oh, no question about it. The Falcons, uh, like I said, they're the gold standard. Uh, we we only want to slide. Our goal is to be, you know, be as good as them one day, and it's going to take time, and we're willing to wait and put in the work to get there. But I'm always excited to play them. I'm looking forward to seeing Rick again and my buddy. Um, and it's going to be fun. And I love women's tackle football. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, Bobby, make sure Mick buys you his beer.
2: Say again. I'm sorry. Make sure
0: he. Yeah, he makes sure he buys. He buys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get him this time. That's right. I'll get him. He's gonna have his family there. You know, he's from here. Of course, you know it. But I, I, I hope oh, he yeah. has his family and, and he'd be proud. You know, to show his team to his family and all his yeah. friends that he hasn't seen in years. Yeah, so it'll be
1: fun. All right, Bobby. It's uh, What's the website where the, people can get tickets for it? I know we posted it on our uh, highlight reel here on our radio podcast, but what's the you know, website for them I to think get tickets
2: Um uh, Bobcats of, of com. I think that's exactly it. If not, go to uh, our, our Facebook, uh, Bobcats Los Angeles, or Los, Los Angeles Bobcats, because we've changed, right? We were, we were to Carson, and then we went to Los Angeles, so I'm And I turned it all over to the girls. Once I got, you know, working with my dad, I thought we were going to beat cancer. I I was ready to whoop it. But, you know, Papa, I'll see him again. Uh, But uh, So I stepped away for a while. So the girls took charge. They're they're doing a great job. I'm excited to have them, my leaders uh, of the team. And they're keeping it running smooth. So all I got to do is coach. So we've made some changes. Uh, So it's either BobCastsofLA.com or something like that but you can definitely find us on Facebook.
3: All right. So we're
1: looking forward to the battle this weekend against the Utah, cha- uh, Utah Falcons, the champions, and they're off and running. Uh, they took care of Las Vegas. So that's going to be yeah, pretty I exciting. They want to know, looking for two and O. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how the, the cats rower against the Falcons there. <laughs> there we go.
2: I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you asking me to try to, Give my two cents to this, and hopefully I'll make a difference for the better.
1: Thanks, Bobby. Really appreciate it. Always uh, very informative and entertaining. So we'll look forward to another chat. And uh, go uh, Bobcats. And go Falcons. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Be safe. All right, guys. That was the uh, always informative and very uh, insightful uh, Bobby Jose. And uh, we talked to him before, uh, Troy and uh Luis. Uh, it, you know, there is just one of these disconnects with the way it's being taught and there's ways of, you know, that could be taught differently. So hopefully he can get his teaching method out there so that it is an alternative to what is being taught teaching tool that we have now. So that will benefit a lot of parents as an option.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Listen, the biggest thing is, 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 is player safety. And if they, truly want to, if they truly want to have player safety, I think everyone has to be involved. I mean, we have to hold people accountable, just like Bobby was saying. And uh, I think it really starts there. As long as people are holding themselves accountable, um, you know, I, I think things will get better. But if not, then obviously I think the future is, is, is kind of bleak for these things.
1: Yeah, so if everybody wants to go to gtscience.com, gtscience.com, you get more information on the Bobby Josea tackling technique. And so uh, very informative, and it's very well done. And he's obviously very passionate about, like Tori says, making sure that nobody gets hurt, still plays a, play a good game, but nobody gets injured. And so uh, trying to prevent that is probably the utmost, more important side of it. Um, guys, we talked about at the beginning of the hour, uh, I don't want to go bad news here or sad news, but uh, there is some sad news unfortunately. Uh, Madison Blaze reports that uh, Andy Thorland, longtime writer and statistician of the team and supporter of the team, uh, apparently passed away. so we sent our condolences over to the Thorland uh, family and the Madison Blaze family uh, of players and uh, organization uh, on the loss of a very uh, long tenured supporter longtime writer and and a uh, supporter of women's tackle football. And then uh, overseas, we've just uh, we got news this week. Polly Drew, one of the uh, founding uh, members of the uh, Great Britain Lions national team, also played for the Hertfordshire Tornadoes and also played in the w- WFA with the Kansas City Titans, uh, apparently also has passed away. Very talented player as well. Um, donations are being taken at Rethink.org uh four slash my donate for slash donate mental illness. Um, you can go to our Facebook page. You'll see the uh, Burmese post there. And in the Burmese post, there is a uh, link that you can donate there for the poly drew donation there. So uh, unfortunately, uh, none of these injuries I believe were football related. Um, so I guess that's a blessing in a way, but they obviously uh, it's a loss for us, uh, the families. So uh, we, uh, our condolences go out to the Drew family and to the Thorland family out there for their loss. All right, guys. Um, to uh, what we're going to be doing here this week, WFA weekend. So uh, Troy and Louise, uh, Atlanta took on Tampa Bay Inferno. We talked to the Tampa Bay Inferno about a week ago or so, and so they were ready and revving. And unfortunately there was one little uh, missed call at the end of the game that caused pretty much the Inferno, a loss. Uh, So it's a seven to six win for the Atlanta Phoenix. Uh, Shout out to the Atlanta Phoenix for their awesome uh, broadcast. And I believe they're going to be doing it all season long for their home games. So that was really awesome. And we really appreciate that. You can check it out on our uh, Facebook page. You can link it up to their, to their page as well at the Atlanta Phoenix. Um, Troy and Luis, very good game to kick off the WFA season. Uh, two very good teams, uh, rivals. One division two, the other one's division one, of course. And so it was a good, a really good matchup.
0: Yeah, I thought it was. Uh... You can go, Troy. I was going to say,
3: uh, you know, I love the the week one matchups. I mean, because you know, you start the season. And everybody is, uh, you know, have their hopes up and you kind of see where you are. And and I think it's good to have coaches, you know, this is a good week for coaches to get a better idea of of how their players are under fire. And um, so week one is always the most important one. So my thing is is that, you know, for the winners and the losers, you know, we we all have something to learn from it. But it's just going to be interesting going forward how they learn from it and, and how they, you know, make adjustments during the season. I thought the
0: stadium looked awesome where they're going to have the championship and where they're playing their games. And I thought the stream was really well done. Uh, the announcers were just great. You know, the Southern accents and just their terminology was great. Um, I expected a higher scoring game actually, because both those teams have pl- a lot of players and experience. And uh, I think that game's a good game to schedule for your Matthew rankings for both teams. And um, and yeah, the call was a bummer. It definitely was the wrong call. Uh, but man, those players out there—I don't know what's the problem in Utah. But gosh, those players on both those teams are just so big, tall, and big, oh, yeah. and they're just
1: that's southern, big that's girls. A southern, that's a southern beef right there. These girls are big right. time <laughs> southern beef.
3: Um, yeah. And
1: offensive line—the offensive lines are a wall. And that's for sure right there. They're, they're a wall on both sides. So they played a, a standing game on both ends. Uh, I think defensively it was a really good defensive game for both teams, a real big test for both teams. And the score reflects that. Now, offensively, I don't think they got as much as they wanted to out of that game. They were really shut down on both sides. And so when you look at it that way, um, you know, defensively, both teams came out to play really good ball. And then unfortunately one team has to be edged and, that happens to be the Inferno, but I think that was the big test that uh, Coach um, Coach Green said that they were going to be able to. They're going to have to face, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure he got them ready and almost a win and uh, beating a Division One team. Troy, are you or uh, Luis still there?
0: Oh yeah, we're still here. I
1: okay.
0: I just no. I mean, you guys can chime in.
1: It's not a problem.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I – I, like we had just had Tampa Bay on. So it was interesting to hear from them and to see their goals and their perspectives and uh, what they were trying to accomplish. But I – when we did our rankings with Burmy, I put Atlanta pretty high. Uh, based a lot because they had a big roster and they're hosting. And that does something to you mentally. So, um, you know, I'm still going to hold to it so I, until they lose. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Well, they played a good game. Uh, Troy, I don't know if you got the ch- a chance to watch the, the stream on there, but it's still there. So, uh, but other than that, Atlanta did, you know, uh, like I said, defensively on both sides, they played a very good game. Hats off to, like I said, the Atlanta Phoenix for a great streaming. Uh, it was about 55 different countries they were streamed on Facebook, and their feedback was they got about 55 different countries that watched the game all over the world. So, um, wow. Um, hopefully, you know that worked out really good for them and women's football as well. So, um, I know on our f- Facebook feed, um, we we got really good reach on that as well. So, I know they got huge reach because we were sharing it. So, whoever was on their original site on the Facebook page, so uh, off their website. Um, and the announcers did a great job. Uh, similar yeah. to, uh, you know, the the good thing about the announcing for me was. They actually uh, – I think Jen actually provided them with a roster sheet with their names, and I want to credit them for doing their diligence to their full names and the numbers and making sure that they obviously give credit uh, to, the, to the players and to the, every player on every play. And that was very unique, which didn't happen at the World Games, which I was very disappointed. You would think that everybody would have had a roster of some sort. Uh, but different, it's a different feel. And they, the announcers here really, they sounded like they do a lot of youth high school sports and they do a lot of, you know, college football type games for the streaming. So they're, they, they were very in tune with uh, formations, uh, the type of formations. So that, that was very refreshing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta's also doing a great job at advertising not only for their team, but for the championship. And just trying – because so much is just generating momentum, generating momentum, generating momentum to get people attracted, to get ready for the event. Um, that's a unique stadium because it's not humongous, but yet it has the boxes and the different packages you can do. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I, I think it's great. Definitely what the sport needs. And, and yeah, you're right. The stream was really good. And the defensive line gals on Atlanta, gosh, some of those girls, they could – they. They could pass us some college, small college uh, players just size-wise and just the way they're built, you know, the lanky, well-built DNs, just that kind of stuff.
1: Well, they got, um, as far as I was told by April out of the Atlanta Phoenix, um, they got sexy uniforms you now. So they look pretty hot in
0: yeah.
1: terms <laughs> of their unique. So they were they actually more flexible. We'll it looked that. It looked a lot more um, less, you know, it was less constrictive type of uniform on their end. Yeah where on the were on the uh, inferno unis kind of look traditional football like they were before, so you could you could tell the difference, you know, on one side or the other. Uh, but I, I I believe the bottoms are a lot more sturdier spandex and flexible, so that may be allowed for more better movement by the uh, Phoenix uh, players, more mobility. So I'm and, and that I think that was part of the uniform when they announced it was that it was a lot more. Um, Uh, flowing in a sense and less constrictive so that maybe the maybe that was the key to the win no i'm just kidding yeah
0: you're getting good insider intel on that
1: there you go but um they did pull it off seven to six so um you guys uh troy if you haven't got a chance to watch it i really encourage you to watch it uh but atlanta came to play the inferno came to play it was really entertaining game
3: no, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it um, as yet. Uh, I did have a question, though. Um, how often, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure offhand, but I don't know if you guys will know. Do you guys Division Two and Division One, usually play, play against each other early in the season, or does it matter? Um,
1: what happened this, this week was when we talked to uh, the Inferno, uh, uh, Jen Moody, was um, normally the schedule is they schedule a Division One opponent towards the end of the season. And somehow this season, because of their two losses in the semifinals in the division two round, um, she said her, her mentality was to schedule one D two matchup early within the first five games. So they're going to face Atlanta, I think one more time in the next two two or three weeks on the schedule. So that way um, they're kind of a little bit more tested, which uh, their whole issue was they weren't pretty, pretty well tested until they got to the playoffs and, that was probably one of the bad things against St. Louis when they lost twice to St. Louis.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know if it was a scheduling thing, kind of like uh, how uh, colleges, they, they schedule um, some of the uh, Division two schools or Division one school uh, Division Championship Series. Uh, they did the same thing like that in college. Okay, so it's similar like that.
1: Yeah, so Jen really, the owner, uh, Jen Moody, uh, she really wanted – uh, this kind of test, the coach really wanted this to be tested, and I think they—I they, think they passed the test. They only—they get edged by one on a probably a referee call, like Louis says, that was probably not a good call. Uh, but other than that, they—you know—they—they they stayed toe to toe with Division One opponent right here, so that says a lot about them.
0: I think it's impressive. I, I'm surprised they didn't. Neither team threw the ball very much. Um, it was uh, similar offenses in that it was power, power running, eye backs or or split backs, power running, not running the edge very much. Um, they, you know, they have the mentality of uh, we're going to come, we're going to come hit you and smash you.
1: That was a surprise, I think, because it, we were, we were both expecting air, uh, power, air power. But they kept it on the ground consistently. And, and once you're getting seven, five to five to seven yards of carry, why would you change? You know what I mean? You've got to yeah. force the defense to stop you. And I think, that's, I think that both coaches on the, both sides uh, really stressed that once they figured out that they were getting an advantage on the ground instead of attempting to pass it. Um, but they did a really, really good job on both sides. So congratulations for the, to the WFA for kicking off the season in good fashion and to the Atlanta Phoenix for their amazing work and their live stream. So we look forward to more amazing streams coming down the pipe here on their games, and uh, since they've done a great job so far, uh, the the Richmond Black Widows also announced that they're getting a stream live for their home games, um, and uh, we announced that on Twitter, and you can read it up on Twitter. And uh, they're going to be exciting. We're going to keep tabs on that as well. For that reason. So, um, Troy and Luis, let's go into w- WFA Week 1 because that's going to be the major league coming in here. Uh, we got about a uh, half hour or so to go here, but um, let's go to Week 1 here. Troy, uh, I'll, I'll bounce you first here. Uh, the Renegades, the uh, runners-up in 2017, they will go up against Philly Phantom. The Philly Phantoms were a surprise team last year. They were really good in the uh, almost getting to the playoffs. They... Could be Division One caliber. Um, I think they they're there. Uh, so at this point, the Dallas Elite, or should we say the former of was of what was the Dallas Elite? We won't know what they look like yet uh, with the Ellingtons taking over. So at this point, Renegades seem to be the front runner. Don't you think, Troy?
3: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, you you got to go with the you know the more experienced team, and they do have you know enough experience and the talent on the team to to make that happen. But I I'm very interested to see what Dallas comes out there to look like. I mean, with the changes that they had and the split and everything, I'm just looking forward to seeing how that team is going to look now um, in, in this upcoming season.
1: All right, so Luis, we'll bounce over to you. Uh, The Sharks will be taking on the Nighthawks.
3: Nighthawks, very
1: tough squad as always. New York really looking for that first win. This is the 20th anniversary that they're celebrating, obviously for uh, for their season send-off. So they really want to get off the, you know, on a good uh, good victory for for week one. So where do you see the Sharks and the Nighthawks?
0: I think the Sharks have that one. Um, Just because of the experience at quarterback and the coaching staff and uh, just listening to them talk when we had them on, when you had them on. Um, the other game, obviously I'm really curious, like Troy is, about the Dallas Elite game because they're playing Austin Outlaws and the, the last year's Elite killed Austin Outlaws. So we'll see how that one goes. And then in the West, um, the one I'm watching, because L.A. not playing, this weekend. The one I'm really curious about is the San Diego Rebellion one because I think they're probably a legitimate, serious, legitimate contender for Division Two championship. And they've got a lot of players and they've you know, that all that LA and San Diego scene is constantly revolving teams, girls changing teams, creating new teams and so they and they have experience of football female
3: football
0: players. So I think that San Diego has a, a quite a number of veteran players. And um, from what I'm hearing about Capital City, I don't think they're as well organized as some would hope they would be. Um, so I pick, I'm picking San Diego, and I'm picking San Diego by by at least 21. So right. those are the games that stick out to me. Um that I I'm going to be watching for sure, and the Pittsburgh Passion. Oh, that one that game's already over. Sorry, I mean that one's already been called as a forfeit. But I'm always yeah. That was, to that
1: was surprising. That was surprising for me to look at that today and go that the Fusion uh, was ca- canceled the Are game. You? I don't know what happened there, but uh, we'll figure out what happened is it, there. I guess is maybe the Fusion uh, still roster issue. I don't know. That's that was okay. one of the issues. Uh, they were they were really. They were really coming out. They had announced. Remember, they had announced Dilla was going to take over, and they made the huge announcement mm-hmm. in the off season. And all of a sudden, now it's everything has changed. So, uh, I'll I'll get the insiders <laughs> from a Burmie who's got everything. The yeah. Oracle. We'll figure out from yeah, burmy yeah. If, what the lowdown <laughs> is, is in, in, in with oh. Cleveland. Um, so I go from and, there. But and uh, City. Troy, Troy, uh, what about um, Troy? I'm gonna just bounce it to you we got um uh, uh, the Alabama Fire last year was really good going up against uh, Atlanta and Tampa Bay and all those they're going to go up against Derby City um so i i think uh what do you think of the fire you think they'll just continue to kind of get
3: better at this yeah i mean you you always expect to you know to to improve and, you know, I don't think it's any different with uh, with Alabama there. I mean, especially with all the confidence that they got for playing an uh, Atlanta team, and they play them tough. So, you know, you want to, you want you, you know, uh, you want to expound on whatever you did right the previous season. And I think Alabama's in a position to go ahead and do that this year.
1: All right. So, Luis, the other one I'm looking at is Vixen-Blaze, because it's basically an interstate rivalry right next door. Um And the blaze really are their main rivals to the vixen. The vixen really needs to make a get out of the block pretty fast with a good win.
0: yeah, you know I don't have a lot of insider information on those two teams. I know that uh i the Falcons played the blaze when they were in the i w f l and so blaze is division two, correct they're not three they're two
1: right. Division right? two, okay, yeah.
0: And Vixen is
1: um, division two. I, Fermi
0: said they switched. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I think that'll be a good game to see. I remember talking to um, oh you share you share a post you know Anthony Stone. I see stuff on him on social media, and I guess he was thinking about coaching with them. Who he used to coach with the Force, and so
1: yeah.
0: I'll be curious to see what happens. Yeah, right I don't know.
1: Uh, I'm. I'll have to. I'll have to uh, get the lowdown from Burma as well in terms of what's going on with that. But I think it's Division Two for the Vixen, as we were told originally it was Division One, but I think it's Division II mm-hmm. Two right now. Um, yeah, the other no game that I'm looking one. forward. To, yeah, the other game I'm looking forward to is uh, our Phenom, uh, the the quarterback, which is uh, yeah. Brooke Leash, who's taking care of the Kansas City Titans. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to the Kansas City Titans taking on the Wisconsin Dragons see if she can punch out her first win of the season. And speaking of that, she's going to be taking over our Snapchat in the second week of the, of the season. So we're looking forward to her being on Snapchat for us. This week on Snapchat, we have the talented tomorrow, Emma Diaz, the, uh, uh, the phenom Emma Diaz out of Florida, and she's going to be taking over our Snapchat. She can check it out. And then on April 7th, which is the Saturday of kickoffs for the WFA, Boston Renegades, uh, all-world receiver Adrian Smith is going to take us inside the Boston Renegades matchup against Philly. So very exclusive there. Looking forward to her. She's always informative and very fun. So we will see if she's going to do any uh, jump ropes or no, she's not. She's just going to focus. Purchase is going to be very focused. Um, <laughs> uh, the, other, the other matchup that I like is um, the, the name that I've, I think is just the best name in women's football. The Tacoma trauma it's going to be taking on the Portland fighting shockwave Northwest battle there. Portland's very good team. They've been, been very good for two years in a row. Tacoma on the other side has kind of struggled in the last two years, but uh, Portland, I think we looking to get off the box one more time in a positive way. So we're going to keep, keep tabs on that. So that's the other game that I'm looking forward to there. Um, you mentioned San Diego. We'll see how they come out of the box. The other games are pretty much D3 games, and I can't use the and an analyze them until like a week or two in to see who's got momentum um, and see how that goes. But uh, shout-out to the Arkansas Wildcats. They're going to be at home, home opener for the D3 champions, taking on the Academia Zydeco. And so uh, we'll look forward to see what the result is for them. And so the champs are going to be there as well. And so um, let's see here. What's the other? Oh, the uh, battle misfits taking on The Sizzle, and we talked about that uh, in the last uh, couple podcasts. We talked about that, about how that's going to be a very key matchup, and the Misfits, uh, Cincinnati always gives Music City pretty much a, a, ba- a battle for that as well. Uh, Carolina will be taking on Jacksonville Dixie Blues. Carolina, very impressive since they've come into the WFA, a very strong team as well, and so uh, we'll look forward to that. And then the Columbus Comets will be taking on the Detroit Dark Angels. So those are the matchups for week one in the WFA. Uh, So Louise, let's take, take us to the week one IWFL here. Uh, We already talked about Bobby Osea's uh, LA Bobcats taking on your Utah Falcons. What is the other games coming up this week?
0: You know, there's just a couple. There's just the Utah at the Bobcats and then uh, Nevada at Seattle and um, that will tell a lot because Seattle, you know, they were division one last year. And uh Reno's always been a tough, tough mentality team. They just haven't gotten the win. Um so I still pick Seattle to win. And and then Well we Austin, have to pick Seattle
1: to win because Holly Custis is on Seattle. Right. So we must the totally. Justice.
0: Totally. <laughs> so yeah, that would be the proper uh call there. <laughs> And then the other one is Austin versus El Paso, the Austin Yellow Jackets. And Austin got lucky this year because they have eight games. And most of the other IWFL teams don't have eight games. But they're able to. You know, you know I don't want to go games. on my rant.
1: I don't want to okay. go on my rant, but I will go on my okay. rant now. So, Troy, okay. support me here. I am totally, okay. if everybody's listening here, I'm totally disappointed with IWFL leadership. All this hype in the off season, all this changes. Okay. Between, uh, you know, everybody coming on board, the council and everything. And we can't even get a website updated to hype up the season to get a schedule set. So, uh, you know, Odessa, Holly, uh, you know, everybody out there involved in the IWFL, somebody needs to wake up because you guys are in a snooze button right now. This is just not Mm -hmm. good. Not good. And all the hype that was presented is not good. This is just not great for this league. We, we expected – and let me just say that correctly. They gave us the perception that this was going to be a better product with a better upgrade, and it's starting to look very foolish. If you can't even get an updated website hyping your teams, either on Facebook, social media, or even on Twitter – Somebody needs to get somebody that loves social media and get it up there. So, Luis, pass the word. I'm pretty sure they're listening Uh, to me, but, you know, that's my rant. And and to me, it's kind of frustrating as a fan, because we are fans of the sport, that this league continuously disappoints. You would think lesser teams, you would be able to get the schedule out by, what, mid-February? At least the latest first week of March? Now you're expecting fans to go watch your games when you can't even get a schedule up. And you can't even get access to the games. So I, I just – I don't want to be a, a WFA, you know, you know, huge WFA guy, but I, I just – I am a WFA guy, I guess, when you compare the two. got to – they've done better. And so IWFL, that's your challenge. Between now and the end of April, your challenge is to get your act together. So hopefully, you know, that happens. So, um, Troy, Louise, you guys can stop me because I can go on for hours.
0: Oh, keep going because believe me, I have plenty of people who are not happy with uh with, you know, how things are are shaking out. And So, Troy, this, gonna, I mean, Trey, I'm going to tell you right now. It took
1: me 3 hours, 3 hours to kind of figure out what's going on what team. I had to piece all the teams together until I messaged you and said, "Hey, what is going on here?" and with this league. And so you know, Troy put it together. If the NFL doesn't come up with a schedule properly and puts up information, where would you be?
3: Not watching the NFL, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I wouldn't know when the games are coming on or where they'd be. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's a fair that's a fair criticism. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're you know we're trying to you know you're trying to get revenue for your league and you're trying to get supporters and fans. It's, hard to do that if, you, you know, if you're not doing at least the basic part of it, which is maintaining your website and making sure your customers are informed.
1: Just sad. I mean, I don't know if you guys have gone to the site. I've, I've gone to the site all week. I went last week and the week before. I even uh, direct messaged all the key people that apparently were supposed to make all these changes and go forward with all these changes, and I got crickets. I got, I got a couple of responses that said, uh, we'll take care of it and let me see what's going on that kind of deal, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed, and s- somebody needs to make a, a, a change because if you want to see this product, I mean, uh, and this is 16 teams. This is not 60 teams, so hats off to Lisa King and everybody else at the WFA. That's 60 teams, and they actually put up a schedule. That's embarrassing. So let's just call it what it is, embarrassing, and I'm not drunk. I'm still sober, so technically, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oscar, why do you think it's like this? That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why, you, why are people running a league and then not doing anything? What is it, there to It gain? is
1: embarrassing. It, I mean, to me, uh, you know, Disney and Fredericks, uh, Fredericks uh, I mean, they, this is embarrassing. This is not what you, how you run a league. How do you get a brand product? I'm going to tell you right now. Let me just be very honest. Troy, you're gonna you're gonna support me with this. The XFFL out of Texas. Look at their website. Go to their Facebook page. They don't even I don't even think they have a website. And and their Facebook page looks real. Troy actually has watched that and goes, man, they got power rankings. They got uh, promos. (laughs) They got insights. I mean,
2: I was impressed.
3: I was impressed. Get your act
0: together.
3: Yeah,
1: you know, you know what I mean. It's, and they they only have what 18s. They got 18s, and they're putting up this better perception of a great league in Texas. Come on, you guys got to do a better job. I'm just, it's just, you know, it's just bad. So uh, Luis, pass the word. They got, they got to, they got to start getting their act together. This is just not right. And and it does, and it does a disservice. It does a disservice to a top quality team like utah it does a disservice to them you you, you might as well have utah in the wfa if you're gonna pull this kind of stuff you might as well just shift them right over because it would just make the brand even better but you know yeah. we know the we know the internals about it and everything but so if you guys are listening iwfl if you're listening okay highly critical this host is very highly critical and very disappointed very disappointed So if you're in business to shut down and disband, you're doing a great job starting week one. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. You've done a great job. Hey, Oscar. That's off to you.
0: When you say it's a a disservice to a team like the Falcons, that's totally true, but it's a disservice to any team in that league. No, exactly, but what
1: I'm saying is the umbrella. The umbrella is doing a disservice to the member team. That's what I'm saying, the umbrella. If you can't maintain a Facebook page in this day and age, on a social media level engagement, then you are so old school that somebody needs to, you know, take some Vicks and put her under your nose to wake you up. Cause that's just bad. It's very bad. Uh, it's mm. kind of like, you know, Troy, it's kind of like the grandmother that you thought was dead, but then you go with the Vicks over her nose and you kind of figure out she's snorting <laughs> again. And, and then you're like, Oh, She's oh, alive. Geez. She's alive. Ah! That's what we're at
2: with the IWFL right now. That is the IWFL. Wake up. Oh, Did you
3: just that was did you just perfect. wake hey, up? Hey, God, that's
1: extreme, but it's real.
3: Mirror, did you just put the 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 mirror under the? I know belt, you. I know you were CSU envisioning it. Up. I know you were envisioning it the whole time that I
1: was listening. You were watching it, right? were like, yeah, I saw that before.
0: <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
1: Uh, get the that mix perfect- up, put it under the nose. Let's get this IWFL <laughs> rocking and rolling here. Let's go. Jesus that Christ. That the
0: best visual. Uh, best visual I've heard in a long is. time. Uh,
1: All right, let's move to the Legends Football League, which is, at this point, compared to the IWFL, probably an upgrade. <laughs> um, very upgradable. Um, Troy, uh, Temptation versus uh, Bliss. Salerno taking on Codwell. You got the beast, Burso. Uh I mean, you know, Coach Hack doesn't like L.A. You know, uh, Coach Tui doesn't like the Bliss. This is literally a clash of East and West. It's a great matchup for uh, for the LFL to start off the season with L.A. versus Chicago.
3: Listen, man. I, you know what? It, it would be. It's hard for me to to go. Opposite of Seattle because of how dominant they've been. But I just, honestly, I think this year is LA's year. I think Coach Tui, man, I think he's going to have his team just, I think he's going to have LA ready to go. I just, I don't know, man. I just have a feeling that this is the year that LA really just takes it over. So, you know what? I'm going, I'm going temptation on this one. I just think that they're going to, I think they're going to get over the top this year. And I think because Seattle, they lost, you know, some very key players that they've had there. For a few years, and I just think this year is LA's year, man.
1: All right, and you know what, uh, Luis, you're not so much in tune with legends, but technically, Cal- Caldwell has been decent, but not great quarterback, right, Troy? So compared to Sir Lerno, probably a notch down, right? So for she's got to man. prove she's got to prove that she can take this team to the next level, right?
3: Yeah, man. Are you uh, talking to me right
1: so I was talking to Troy. she's got to take I, it to the next level.
3: Yeah, I just, I just, I, I think this is Jane's year. I just think you know now is step up time. You know, and and you know it, it took a little bit of time for her to you know to. I, I personally think she's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I would say top three. But listen, this year is the year that she has to ascend to the top. I mean, she's got the name, she's got the accolades, she's got the moxie. She can play. So you know, this year I just think this is when she steps it up. I think man, I I really believe that Tui has a team. Actually I thought they were gonna do it a little bit last year. They got into the playoffs but they had a few mishaps, but I just think this year is their year.
1: All right, so Luis, uh you'll keep tabs on Legends if you watch the games on YouTube, so that'll be kind of a, a homework requirement. Pretty easy to scroll oh, yeah. through and kind of watch the highlights, but other than that, Chicago's very strong. They've been a very dominant team for a long time. Coach Hack is a very good coach. He's, co- he's coached arena football as well, so they're pretty good, pretty well coached. Uh, coach Chewy has been very, very good, I mean, in terms of championships in the, in the, in the past. I think this is his mark, as uh, Troy's alluding to here. It's uh, Tui's year, and you know, if he wants to make it his year this way. Um, let's talk about acoustic, Troy. Austin, I think, will be the shocker. Given Seattle's drop-off, maybe this is Austin's year.
3: Oh, oh man, that's a—I uh, don't know—is that your—is that your—is uh, that a lock, or are you? Yeah, I'm writing. I'm writing.
1: You, I think you. I think Austin has it. I think ha- Austin will make. Uh, will make the playoffs for sure. I don't know if they'll win Legends Cup, but that this is the year they make the
3: playoffs. I mean, that's a bold statement, man. I mean, look, they struggled the past few years, so. I want to see if I see some improvement down there. They do have some athletes, though, man. They have some athletes, so I, I really want to see if they can make that step. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they're ready just yet. I got to see them at least the first game and you know see how they gel out there. I, I can get a better sense of them. But I, you know they what they weren't that impressive last year.
1: And they were they were competitive all year, so I give them that at least. They're 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 going to face Ganic Embrace's Nashville Knights, right off the box. So you you know they got to be hyped for that. They got to be hyped for that. expansion Nashville, but Nashville's got Randall, your favorite receiver, and he got the bull oh, man. in Nashville now.
3: Oh, man. And then you got oh, M- KK, they,
1: KK Matheny in Nashville. So it's going to be Austin's big test.
3: Yeah, lot lot of that's a lot of experience down there. A lot of big plays. Jay Randall, me. To me, uh, she uh, man. wow, I mean, just that radius that she has, you know. She's she's awesome. One of my favorite players to watch. And, of course, our girl, the Bull, she's a beast. Man, uh, Schnorr, I cannot wait to see her on the field. I want to see how she plays down there in Nashville. I think it'll fit right in, just that style of play that they have. Just, you know, just Nashville, that kind of area. They were, I think they're going to play that Smash Mouth style. I want to see if they can go ahead and do that. And probably that's why they got it there. So I hope they use it right.
1: All right. So Troy and um, Luis here, my game that I'm watching for the big game this year is April 27th, the Omaha Heart taking on the Denver Dream. The game I want to watch. You know why?
3: Oh I want boy. to see who's the worst of the worst.
1: <laughs> Who's the worst of the
0: worst? (laughs)
1: Who is the The most horrible coach team on either side?
3: (laughs) This is going to be like... And I don't want to mock these
1: girls, but I'm telling you, this is the game that you probably have to pencil out and go, uh, okay, we're going to go out to eat and not care. Because these girls are going to have to make it very (laughs) entertaining for somebody to watch. You know what I mean? uh, Because the heart has been very bad. The heart's been very bad, and Denver was horrendous last year. So... It's, oh my god. Week three
3: I think Denver uh, got I, I think Denver didn't didn't somebody drop a hundred on Denver, I believe. Or no, or w- like
1: Denver got spanked in triple digits consistently last year. Ooh. And, and Ooh. that's only four games. I bad. I would have hated it to see eight an eight game season. That would have been not fun. But yeah, uh that's
3: hurtful. Yeah, that's hurtful. I think
1: I, I I think that's the game that we're really gonna like not pay attention to, that's what I'm trying to say. April 27th is not going to be. I'm watching it. My birthday is, my birthday is the next it. day, so you know I'm not paying attention to that game.
3: That's right, because we have the same birthday. That's right. April 28th. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pay
1: attention <laughs> to that. <No. laughs> um, so, Luis, that's the one game we recommend not to watch. So, whatever okay. you're doing that weekend, go ahead and do what you got to do. <laughs> well,
0: Oscar, there'll still be a lot more fans at that game probably than any of the Tackle Girls games, so –
1: Oh, I don't know about Still. that, but it's going to be in Denver, no. so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Um, so, guys, that that's the first two weeks of April 14th. Legends Football League kicks off uh, Temptation versus The Bliss. Then April 21st, it's going to be Austin versus Nashville, which I'm looking forward to that. Um, so that's the key to that. Uh, the other headlines that I have to give out, let um, me get my notes here. The Super Series in Sweden will kick off uh, April a seventh with the opening matchup or champion, Oracle black Knights taking on the Carol's badge crusaders. And we'll keep tabs on that. We'll get some links for that as well. The super series in Sweden will kick off uh, the, uh, this coming weekend and it goes through June 2nd, which is the finals. And we also have in the fold here, uh, LNFA feminina, which we got a couple minutes here. So this, this past weekend, it was 33 to 12, Barbera versus pioneers, 38-0, Thirty-eight to zero, Barcelona versus Badalona, week eight. This coming up here, uh, April eighth. Pioneers two and three taking on Barcelona three and two. It is a playoff condition game here. The last matchup that they met was week one, and that was a fourteen to six Barcelona win. So they are neck and neck. They know each other very well. We will see how that turns out this weekend. It is a playoff matchup here. Barcelona three and two is in second place. Uh, the Pioneers. If they go to three and three, they both drop. Teresa Reds. Uh, they obviously next weekend, the fifteenth, but Teresa Reds will face Barcelona. So crucial game for Barcelona to win because it'd be three and three, where Teresa Reds would be three and two, and there's a matchup there. So very crucial game in L N F A Feminina. Uh, Great Iron Victoria. We're gonna go week eight here. Crusaders five and one. We'll take it on the champion Croden Rangers. Big matchup down under uh, April seventh. This is the clash of the clash. It is the 5-1 uh, Crusaders taking on the Rangers. Uh, they, the Crusaders have won four in a row. Rangers obviously undefeated through six six weeks. So it's a very crucial matchup. Uh, we'll keep tabs on that as well and get you the updates and everything else. So stay tuned for Facebook on, uh, on Facebook.com, Gridiron Beauties. Don't forget to visit our shop at Gridiron Beauties on Zazzle, Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. The best uh, podcast covering women's American football and NFL News Weekly. That is us right here on Block Talk Radio and an Apple podcast. So um, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, go ahead and uh, check it out. It's our shared videos of a lot of women playing American football as well. So on our Apple podcast, you can download over 200 episodes, including Eric Lynn Anderson, Eric Brown, and Kishi Free, your boy here, Troy Wilson, including uh, Luis Bean and Holly Custis, over 200. So download it now. Go to the Apple Podcasts, check it out. And the Blitz is there, and you can just download it there. So, guys, pretty much a great show today with Bobby Hosea. Did an awesome job. And so uh, we're going to be chiming out of here. But we'll be back next week with another edition of the Blitz. And we got some special news coming up in the week or so. Uh, We're probably going to get another co-host, and I'm very excited to have that as well a different perspective with a different view. So um, we're going to be very excited adding to the crew as well. So it's really awesome. So uh, Troy and Louise, uh, looking forward to the matchups this weekend in Island Victoria, WFA week one, IWFL week one, uh, the LNFA Feminina in action. We're going to be covering it wall to wall. So uh, what do you guys say?
0: That was Awesome.
3: Go Falcons. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Going over the reviews next week, you know, you know, we'll talk about more scores and some updates for you guys next week, um, you know, when we return.
1: All right, guys. So, for um, the uh, championship quarterback, Louise Bean, the college football girl, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez saying, we'll catch you here next week on the Great Iron Blitz. And thanks to Bobby Josef for coming in and helping us out. Have a great night, everybody.